This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Has to work quickly. Down to six seconds. Carr going down again. And it's Quinton Williams this time for the Jets. And welcome back to another episode of the Cool Your Jets podcast. We're your host, Ben Blessington and Michael Nania. Michael, it is officially the offseason, which means it's officially speculation season. We're talking quarterbacks today. But first, Mike, how you doing, man? It's, it's been a while. I'm, I'm doing good, and I'm looking forward to talk, going over some of these quarterbacks, just talking it out with you, because it's something I constantly think about, I'm sure, all Jets fans are constantly thinking about it. There are so many options and so many pros and cons to every single one. So to actually go through them all, I, I think we're going to learn a lot, both of us today. Yeah, I think more so you'll learn a lot because I'm clearly the genius of, That's of true. the group. That's true. Usually um, usually you change my mind more so than the other <laughs> way around. I'm the real Michael Nanny. I write all the articles. I'm your ghostwriter. But, um, That's true. But yeah, I mean, look, the Jets have their head coach in place. Obviously, they have their general manager in place and... For most teams, it's always the the biggest part of the offseason. Or I guess it's, I should say at least half the teams, especially this year, there's question marks at quarterback. I mean, I think I read, was reading like 16 or 17 teams this year could change their quarterbacks. And the Jets seem primed to be one of those teams, but maybe not. So let's start with the, the incumbent, Sam Darnold. Michael, obviously, I think anybody who's followed your work the last few months knows that you are very much against the idea of rolling with Sam Darnold. I guess start off with that and then I'll play devil's advocate and I'll try to convince you maybe why it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Um, but why should the Jets, in your opinion, not stick with Sam Darnold? Yeah, I think for me, anything involving keeping Darnold uh, would be the worst case scenario. And it's crazy to be at this point after how optimistic we were after last season. If you just rewind one year and listen to what we were saying um, 365 days ago, it was the complete opposite of this. But that's really the whole point, I think, with Darnold is that his 2020 season was not his 2018 or 2019 seasons. The conversation would be a lot different right now, I think, if he continued playing as he did his first two seasons where the production wasn't really there, but you could legitimately excuse that because of his surroundings. He had a lot of elite performances you can bank on where he's very good in spite of the team around him. He had a lot of those games. Um, but this season in 2020, there really wasn't a single game you could point to as an example of elite potential. And he had a lot of very, very bad games throughout the season. And just overall, 
the excuses for the supporting cast just weren't there as much because there were a lot of mistakes he was making that he did not make his first two seasons uh, or he's making them much more frequently that just did not have to do with his support at all. Just missing open receivers, running out of bounds for no reason, uh, throwing balls into traffic when he could easily throw it out of bounds. Things like that were just more frequent. So before getting into the contract and everything, for me, just from a perspective of the production that he put up um, and what he put on tape, it was just extremely bad compared to the first two seasons. So I think that's the main thing that I have to look at is that you can point to the excuses. You can point to who he was when he was drafted, but he's just not that player anymore. He's coming off of an extremely bad season and his third year in the league where he should be showing uh, some pretty big strides. Uh, but then to get into, you know, the everything else that surrounds it beyond just what's on the field. I think that having that second pick and having two very good options there and Zach Wilson and Justin Fields, who of course we're going to talk about more is it's a huge privilege, even not getting Trevor Lawrence, having the opportunity to move on from Darnold this quickly and smoothly is something that, you know, a lot of teams don't get most teams when they have these problems with their franchise quarterbacks, they get stuck with that guy um, sort of like the bears with Mitch Trubisky, where they're just stuck in the middle and going nowhere but the Jets have the opportunity to refresh this and start over very quickly with a new head coach, new offensive coordinator, get all the timelines on the same page, um, get that rookie quarterback contract started over again. I also think it's important to get your franchise quarterback so you know how to build your team around him. Because if you're playing with a quarterback who you don't know is going to be back next season, uh, like if you brought Darnold back the season, you would be then you don't know who your long-term quarterback is. And it's harder to build the future of your roster on offense if you don't know how to complement the quarterback position. But if you have that guy in place, it makes it easier to get receivers, tight ends, linemen who fit the scheme that you're trying to build around that quarterback. So I think that's important as well. I think starting a new culture, quarterback is the face of the team. And not that Darnold isn't a good culture guy because he obviously is, but the Jets are trying to start something completely new, wipe away the past two years and everything before that and get this Robert Sala era going and getting a new quarterback is a huge, can be a huge part of jumpstarting that and signaling uh, that you're going in a new direction. So I think those are probably the primary few reasons for me in terms of why moving on makes the most sense. Um, But at the end of the day, I always just have to look back at what he put on the field. It was just a far a very far difference from where he was the first two seasons, not as much promise. If if he played the way he did in 2019 this season, I think it would be a much closer discussion for me, but he did it. Right. It was a huge step back. All very logical points. And I think anybody who's listening to this podcast knows that I agree with this. Uh, I, I do not think the Jets should roll with Sam Darnold in 2021, but I do think there's a much higher percent chance that he is the quarterback for the Jets next year than a lot of Jets fans want to believe. Because I think you're right. I think the big thing is fans are afraid of being in that QB purgatory because it's like, okay, well, let's say we do trade down and we build up a monster team and uh, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't say monster, but at least a much better team, a much well better uh, a more well-rounded a, team, a deeper team you know, that has Sala, a, just a lot a more talent team. around it. Right. And, and so now the jets are winning seven, eight, nine games, but then they're stuck with Darnold at QB. I, I, I get that because then it's like, well, next year's quarterback class is nearly, not nearly as good. And you're going to have to sacrifice picks like, like what the jets had to do to get Darnold um, to trade up and get one of those guys. I get it. It gets sloppy, but I do think there's a few reasons why I think he could return. Number one, 
I think you do have to look at the amount of holes in this team. And it does matter that this team is trying to switch from a three, four to a four, three. There's just a lot of holes and a lot of needs for this team to fill. I mean, you need both guards. You could argue you need a right tackle, but I think you can probably roll with Fant for another year. You probably need another tight end at the very least a backup to Herndon. You need two receivers minimum an outside guy and a fourth, you know, depth guy who can hopefully become a starter. Um, you need to add a running back in this offense. You probably need a fullback. Then you go to the defensive side of the ball. You need probably two defensive ends, a backup defensive tackle, a backup middle linebacker, two outside linebackers, a corner or two, and maybe even a stark safety, depending on how you feel about Ashton Davis, not to mention a kicker. So there's a lot to fill for Joe Douglas. And I don't expect the Jets to be a playoff team next year. I don't think he does either. I think this year is getting him in a position to make the playoffs in 2022, which is, I know fans don't want to hear that, but I do feel that they are another year away. And if you trade down, look, I don't think the Jets should stay at two and take Sewell. I think that would be idiotic. I, I think that sticking with Darnold in some ways is idiotic, but if you trade down, let's say you even trade down to four with Atlanta, you pick up another two, maybe another three, whatever. And you take Sewell then, or you move down further with Carolina or whatever, and you stockpile assets. Then it's like, well, you can knock out at least half those needs on those early picks. Cause really rounds one and two in the draft, those are where you should get impact guys. You should draft guys who can start year one or at least play year one. Um, and you should be pretty confident that the, the guys you pick in round one and two can be long-term contributors. Three through five, you're hoping to get depth guys who can evolve into starters. And then six or seven is, is a crapshoot. But if the Jets trade down, they can add a lot of those, those premium, those day one and day two picks. And they can fill a lot of these needs. And I think the other thing is, is when you look around the league at a lot of the young quarterbacks that have come in and they've had immediate success, well, they come in, look at Justin Herbert. He came into a team that I don't, it was obviously it wasn't Super Bowl ready, but it was a, a competent team that had a lot of pieces. He came in and he was able to succeed. If the Jets are worried about the, the lack of talent on the roster, I think the argument that many people made before the season, because I'd seen, um, you know, it was floated out. Maybe the Jets should draft a quarterback if, if Darnold would play well. And my argument was, well, you're just going to put him in the exact same position that Darnold was in, which isn't necessarily true. Douglas has done a good job of accumulating picks and assets. And hell, you could even trade Darnold and pick up another pick. But I just think the number one reason why Dar sticking with Darnold is more of a possibility is I just think that this is part of Joe Douglas's plan. I think going into it, he's a guy who, who you know, sticks to his roots. He knows that this is a plan that can build the Jets into to a winning football team. Um, I do think the Jets will win more games if they trade down and they build up this team and they stick with Darnold. Uh, I do think they'll win some games. I think the fear is that they'll be stuck in that purgatory, like you you mentioned with the Bears. The other thing to remember is that this this scheme doesn't necessarily require an elite quarterback, and not to mention Darnold's a perfect fit for the scheme. I think I, I do think there is some truth to the fact that Solid on the floor probably like Darnold. I mean, when you look at all of his traits, they make a perfect West Coast Shanahan quarterback. And in that system, yes, if you have a great quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, he's going to become an even greater quarterback. But if you have a, a mediocre quarterback like Garoppolo or Goff and you put him in this offense, you can still have a top 15, top 10 offense. So it's not like this scheme requires an uh, elite quarterback play. You just need a game managing uh, play from the quarterback. So. You know, I, I do think there is a chance that they stick with him. I would say and I think another good point you mentioned uh, before we started recording and you could discuss it more is that right. uh, this could buy um, if you do stick with Donald for the head coach and general manager for Sal and Douglas, it's kind of like buying yourself another year. 
that's what exactly was what I was going to say next is like, because if Sala, especially more so for Douglas, if he takes a quarterback and he's not completely, I think the only way the Jets draft a quarterback is if they're completely sold on a guy, but if he's just taking a quarterback because he likes him and they, they agree, they don't want him to be quarterback purgatory and Douglas takes him. That's now his guy. He probably won't get another chance to draft another quarterback if he drafts Wilson or Fields and it doesn't work out. And for Sala, similar thing. If you stick with Darnold for another year, they're each getting an extra year to kind of build the team and get them going in the right direction. And then when they take that quarterback, they're ready to take that leap. You buy yourself some time with management. So I don't think they're going to rush into taking a quarterback. I really don't. I, I think there's a 50% chance that Darnold's a quarterback. And I know that's what a lot of people don't want to hear. Hell, maybe I'm just, you know, talking myself into it because there's the pessimistic side of me from being a Jets fan for all these years. But I do think there's a, there's a chance that you stick with Darnold. I think also, I think 2020, I think he's a better quarterback than that. I think that was a bad scheme fit. He obviously was struggling through injuries. I think he had a bad year. I, I think what we've learned about Darnold is he's not going to be Aaron Rodgers. He's not going to be Tony Romo. He's not a top 10 quarterback. Can he be a Garoppolo or a Goff? Can he be a 15th, 16th overall quarterback? That's that's the question with him. And, and another point to, to your uh, analysis of why they should move on, there's an argument to be made that his trade value will never be higher than it is right now. I think the Jets, some people think the Jets can get a one. I don't think that, that they can. I think they'll get a two though, which is high. I mean, it, I think they'll get a second round pick for him. Um, and, you know, if you wait another year, especially if he doesn't take that leap, that's just another, that's just more evidence that he's not going to be a great quarterback. It's another year on his age. And it's also, then he's going to be owed either the fifth year option or he's going to be a free agent. I just think right now, if you're going to move on from him, you can get an asset. Um, but, everybody knows how we feel about Darnold. I think that's kind of the, the overall argument, but I do think there's a, a much higher chance that yeah. Darnold is the yeah, quarterback. I, I do agree with you. I think there is a good chance. I, it's not something I really like admitting out loud because it's not something I want to happen, but because of the points you made, I do think it is possible, but I, I still think for me that I would bet that he doesn't return. And I'm, I'm going to make a few counterpoints to some of the things you said as to why I think he won't come back. Not that, not why I don't think he should, why I do think that they will end up deciding to move on from him. So a few different things. First, I think it's important that Douglas didn't draft Sam Darnold. So I think that is an important thing to keep in mind. He doesn't necessarily have to be attached to him. He's a guy who was there when he came in and he didn't commit to building around aggressively last off season in the way that you would think he would if he thought Darnold really could have been the guy. And it's not to say that we're excusing Douglas for not building around him because, you know, he could, even if he had a long-term vision, he could have done a little bit more last off season to help the present day team and Darnold, but still he didn't build around him as much as you would think that he would want to, if he was that sold on him. Um, So there is that point. And also I think the coaching staff, again, to go back to the culture, you're trying to build your own, new identity for the team and I think quarterback is such a huge part of that and Fields and Wilson I think are and and look Darnold's a great guy there's no problem with him whatsoever but he's not really a galvanizing kind of presence in the locker room I don't think whereas Zach Wilson or Justin Fields do kind of have that sort of energy that they can bring to the table and can really be I think attractive to a guy like Sala who's trying to kickstart this new culture so all right, go ahead, go ahead. I, well, I do think that he is well-liked in the locker room. I mean, I, oh, yeah, I, yeah, I get what sure, you're saying, sure. but I, I get what you're saying. And certainly for the fan base that it, it would I think it's, it's less a hard... so the, the, the leadership style itself than more that it is he wants, that a new coach is going to want a new guy to sort of just right. 
it's, separate himself from the past. It's certainly a tough sell to the fan base. I would say that. <laughs> absolutely yeah. that people that, that's another thing that games. you mentioned when we were talking woody johnson's coming back you don't know the effect that that could have right in terms of whether he wants a splash a new uh new marketable presence in there i think so he that i as think well i think woody it sounds like he's going to be a little bit more hands-off but i agree i think you know the old woody might interfere and, and talk about who we're going to talk about next and try to get him to trade for deshaun watson um but i yeah i, I feel uh, the biggest thing I guess Woody could say is like, look, we're not going to sell nearly as many tickets if we're trotting out 14 again. But I just think you have to go back to Douglas inherited this job. He knew what a wasteland this roster was and how bad this culture was. And I think when you look at the team that he could build in one year, if he just gives Donald another year and he buys him in and Sala an extra year just to kind of get the, the team moving in the right direction, because I do think if they trade, look, look, here's an example starting offense if the Jets were to tr- trade down, let's say they trade with the Falcons to number four, pick up an extra two and three. I don't know. They pick up a, a second and a third rounder, right? And they move down two spaces. Left tackle, Becton, left guard. Let's say they sign Joe Tooney. They have center, Connor McGovern, right guard. Because they have an extra or they have two extra day two picks, they can spend one on a right guard like Wyatt Davis. Um, right tackle, if you move down to four, assuming Sewell doesn't go number three, you could take Penny Sewell right there. And so your uh, offensive line immediately is eons better than anything the Jets have trotted out since the AFC Championship days. And then when you look at the weapons too, obviously you have Mims and Crowder. You presumably sign somebody, maybe like a Curtis Samuel. Um, And then because of the extra day two capital, you can draft somebody. Maybe you draft a Kadarius Tony and bring some explosion to this offense. Um, And then, you know, obviously Chris Hearns in, or maybe they sign Kyle Juszczyk at fullback, and maybe they sign a guy like Jamal Williams, who knows, but that offense, specifically the offensive line, which we know Douglas, that's his primary focus. That's an offense that can win games, especially in the Shanahan system. Yeah, and and, and I mean, I mean, I hear this argument, but I think it would be different if the Jets had a normal draft class, but they have the Seahawks pick. They have another first round pick next year. They have another third round pick this year. You're probably getting a second or, or a third for Darnold, if you trade him, right. so they have a lot of picks right. to build I this think up I, and I, a lot of cap space. I agree. I think I a, think in an off season where it's going to be even more valuable because so many teams just do not have it, and the cap is going to be flat, and there are going to be more free agents available, less guys being resigned. So, I could I think the trade down would be more enticing if the Jets really just didn't have the assets to build up, but right. they still do, even with um, taking the quarterback number two. And the biggest thing is that. Seahawks first round pick especially with it moving up a little bit after their early exit so you still have a a decent first round pick and the first pick of the second round um, to build even if you take that quarterback so I I understand the trade down argument and they of course could do it they absolutely could do it I don't agree with it they could see it that way but I think they have enough to where they could still really build it up still taking a quarterback all right let's move on from Darnold I think the conclusion we've come to is we both wouldn't do it. I think when you're in a position to take a quarterback, especially in a class like this, you don't, you don't fuck it up, especially you don't want to end up in quarterback purgatory. And I think you made an excellent point just there that they have plenty of assets to build this team up regardless. It's not the argument that I was making at the beginning of the season. And I alluded to a few minutes ago that you're putting a rookie quarterback in the same situation. Donald was in is, is a farce. He's in a much better offensive system with better coaching better talent and a lot of assets to build around him. Um, so that's kind of where we sit with Darnold. But I think the one thing to remember is 
he, there's a very good chance he's the quarterback for the Jets next year. You can't just sweep that under the rug. I do think there's some credence to the fact that Douglas wants to stick to his plan, build this team up, make him a winner, and then he's going to worry about the quarterback after he's got the rest of the team figured out so that quarterback can come into a winning team. And hell, maybe maybe Darnold turns it around, especially in the system, which he's – Can I say one more thing about Darnold, okay, especially one more thing. the system? Yeah. Because I think a big part – a big reason we think he's a scheme fit is the play action because that was a big part, obviously, of – what they did in San Francisco. I mean, Garoppolo was always near the top in play action. Ninth this year, in 2019, he was fourth. In terms of how often he ran play action, Darnold, even though you picture him as that being the right fit for him, he never really had the production to back it up. In 2020, he had uh, he was 37th in play action pass rating. In 2019, he was 25th. As a rookie, he was 35th, 34th. So, and he's production hasn't really been there. And the, his play action fakes are not good. That's quietly another one of his weaknesses. And maybe a big part of why his play action production isn't there is because he doesn't sell them very well. Um, and, and that might seem like nitpicking and just like piling on him. But yeah. Robbie Sabo and Joe Blue would talk about it all the time. How, yeah, he, how poor his fakes are need- uh, in their film breakdown. So I, I just don't know if he, does it make sense when you sort of picture what we feel like Darnold is best at? I think so, but uh, there really isn't anything tangible there to suggest that he will be great in that system, at least to me. Yeah, he needs to go to the Mark Sanchez school of play action fakes because yeah. Sanchez had his issues, but he was a tremendous. If, if there's anything you could count on Dar- uh, Sanchez for, it's good play action fakes, good pump fakes. Yeah, I, I agree with that. He was he was good with the misdirection. I mean, the, the interceptions and everything else that came along with him wasn't great. But uh, Sanchez is still deep in my heart. Um, let's move on, because obviously the guy that everybody's talking about on Jets Twitter and around the league is Deshaun Watson. Obviously, there's not many times a 25-year-old franchise superstar quarterback, top five quarterback in the league, uh, is requesting a trade like this. And it, it does seem like there's a there's a chance this happens. I would say I would caution because I don't think this is going to happen anytime soon. I think this happens at the earliest free agency March when the league year opens. Cause that's when a trade can actually happen. Obviously they can do it. They can agree to something now, but I just, I don't think that happens. I think they're going to try to get them to sit down with, with management and Coley and try to work something out. It doesn't sound like Watson has any interest in that. Um, and then I think it probably happens more towards the draft. I think it's going to happen right before the draft is what I would guess. But I also think there's a chance they don't do it because, uh, look, they have this incredible asset. And just because he wants out, I mean, he does lose money if he holds out. I just I do think there is something to say, look, we are not trading him. This guy is our franchise quarterback. And eventually he's going to come back and start playing for us. You know, that might create some locker room problems. You have a new head coach who wants maybe a clean slate. I don't know if you want to clean safe from Deshaun Watson, given how good he is. There's a lot of question marks, I guess you should say, with the Texans side. But assuming he is available, there's no team better positioned than the Jets to, to go ahead and snag him. Michael, I guess just talk about the prospect and why the Jets should pursue it. And then we'll, we'll talk about what maybe why they shouldn't or might, maybe why they won't um, go after Watson. But let's talk about the positives first. Why do you think the Jets can and should land Deshaun Watson? Well, Deshaun Watson right now is the second most valuable asset in the league. And I think there's really no way you can debate that. Mahomes is number one, obviously. Then after that, Watson's not the second best quarterback in the league. He's probably he's definitely behind Rodgers. I would say he's behind Wilson, even with Wilson's sort of down second half, but he's probably the fourth 
maybe fifth at worst best quarterback in the league. And he's only 25 years old, only three or four seasons um, to this point. This type of player has probably never been available. A guy this good at the quarterback position, which is obviously the most important in the game. A guy this good, this young, this early in his career just doesn't, it really doesn't happen. Obviously there have been guys like Brady and Peyton Manning and Favre who have changed teams late in their careers. But at this point at 25, or he'll be, he'll be 26 in September, but it, it just doesn't happen. So it's hard to even come up with a comparison as to what sort of compensation it would take because these players, quarterbacks don't become available this, at this age as good as he is. So for me, I think I'm, I'm really willing, at least for my, in my opinion, to do whatever it takes to get him. If that takes four first round picks, I definitely think I would do it. Even as a team in this position with the Jets, I, I just think it makes too much sense for you to just flat out solve the most important position on the team. You know, not only are you solving it, but he's going to be with your team for the foreseeable future, at least the next few years, hopefully into a decade. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know, he's already an elite player. It's that's the biggest thing, the certainty you're getting. And that is the biggest thing that has to come to mind when you're comparing um, the known commodity of an NFL player to a draft pick. You know Deshaun Watson's going to be good. Obviously, if you draft a quarterback in number two, the long-term upside is higher because you keep those assets. So if that quarterback does become as good as him, then you could have you know the equivalent to Watson plus all those other players. But that's a best-case scenario. That is just not likely to happen. So for me, it makes sense to trade all those lottery picks figure out the most important question on your roster in the sport, and then figure out everything else after that. So if the Jets were involved, I would definitely be willing to do whatever it takes. Nothing absurd, I guess, if we're talking maybe like five, six first round picks, maybe that's going over the line. If you have to throw Quinn and Williams, Becton in there, probably not, probably going to be hesitant to do that. Um, But if I have to give up both first this year and next year, I mean, if they are doing that, you probably don't want to give up too much more. But I guess if you had to give up, say, both first this year, the Jets first round pick next year or either one of them, and then maybe a second or a third in addition to that, that's a no brainer to me. Well, Here's what I would offer. Here's here's probably as high as I would go. I'd go both first this year and a second this year. I'd go a first next year and a first the year after that. I don't think anybody's going to match that. Then you turn around and you trade Darnold for a second. So now you have Watson as your first round pick this year. You have a second rounder and you have the rest of the drafts, including two thirds next year. You have a first from the Seahawks then the rest of your drafts, so you have a full, full draft. And then the year after that, you're missing your first round pick. You have two years to maybe trade something and get it back. Um, but you, you know, I, I feel like the jets would in that case be set up to, um, to, to build a team around Watson. So by the time they're, they're in that third year, they have a winning team around him and it's not going to be as big of a deal that they're missing. And again, I think the assets the jets have just like talking about still being able to build when drafting quarterback is important here too, because if you're another team, like they've mentioned the bears, the Panthers, if those teams want to trade for him, they have to give up literally everything they have to get him the value to, to actually match what Watson is worth. You're probably giving up your basically the equivalent of your entire draft classes the next two years with what they have, but the jets do have some surplus picks so you can give up, you know, your first rounders, but still have good position in the second, third round. 
with some of the extra picks they it's, have. And also they're a good position this year and they have a lot of cap space. So I still think it, it, they're in good position to build. Not great position, but you can get him and not be completely strapped. It doesn't strike me as it is a Joe Douglas move, but I think you would be completely stupid not to. And as you pointed out, there's really been nothing like this in NFL history. So I think that Douglas will pursue it. I mean, it, uh, I think he's on a, a path right now, and this kind of goes back to what we were saying with Darnold. I think he's on a path right now. He knows how to build a team. He learned under Ozzie Newsome. He knows what he's doing. And he he's doing it the right way. I think when he took the job, he knew it might be three or four seasons before the Jets were winners. But by the time they got there, they were going to be consistent winners. And Watson is certainly was not on that, that path. And I think he, he can look over his shoulder and see the big shiny object and take it. And I, I think Watson's probably worth it. I can't, like you said, he's probably the second most valuable asset in the NFL right now. I mean, look, there's always the risky trade for him and he blows his knee out, but you know that he is a, a, I mean, I guess he's torn his ACL twice, but you know that he is a pro bowl, all pro quarterback and you still have the assets to, to, to not completely ruin your team. I think that the jets are more than a quarterback away, but when you get a quarterback like Watson, that covers up a lot of your, your holes. Yeah. And, and the thing about the being more than a quarterback away thing, like that's just something I want to talk about because Yes, there's, you know, the Jets are more than a quarterback away, but that doesn't mean you put off getting a quarterback, which is the most important hole on your team until you have everything else, because a quarterback is a big part of making the rest of the team good. That's how the receivers develop. That's how the O-line develops. That's how you give the defense good field position so they can develop and just overall win games to foster development and make your team competitive. It all starts with quarterback. So um, it, it all complements each other. Every right. position helps uh, every other position on that unit get better. So uh, just because you're more than a quarterback away, I don't think that means you wait to get a quarterback right. until you build the rest of your team. Especially when it's a known commodity. You get them in the building, you say, look, we may not win a Super Bowl this year, but we have the next two or three seasons to really build the roster around this guy. And look, three years from now, Watson's going to be 28 going on 29. I mean, quarterbacks play until they're 40 now. Watson may not because you know a lot of his game revolves around his mobility but i think he has a decade of amazing football left in him um and i agree i think i think they definitely should pursue it i think there's three sides to this the number one is will the texans trade him and i honestly don't think they i don't want to say i don't think they will because it's just getting ugly but i think it's gonna have to get uglier for them to trade him i don't think he's still publicly hasn't really said anything i think he's obviously made his intentions known to them and we can read the tea leaves and he's removing the texans from his social media but he hasn't gone as far as trashing the head coach in a public article like like jamal adams did with adam gase and stuff i mean he there's still a few more steps to go um into sean watson's downfall in houston um i mean talk about mismanagement though that's that's a topic for another day but i just feel number one it's will Houston trade him? And I just think when you have an asset like him, they're going to hold on for dear life and they're going to yeah. let it go. Yeah, I agree. I feel like it will happen at some point, but like you said, you did, there's a lot, I think there are more dominoes to fall. Until it does. And they, they may hold on to him. They may say, all right, Deshaun sit out the whole year then. Like, I mean, they really, he just signed a contract. So it's like, they have leverage here. They don't have to move him. They, they really can bite the bullet and the, the terrible PR bullet and really just keep him and try to mend this relationship. And Hey, look, I mean, Coley's a guy who, who, reportedly a lot of players like i think from fans they see a 65 year old coach and they you know kind of they never heard him they roll their eyes but maybe he can reach Deshaun. so i think number one they have to, to trade him which i'm still not completely certain that they will number two 
Douglas has to be interested in it. I think obviously he will, but he has to, no team can match the Jets offer, but I, I look a team like the Panthers, they may offer first round picks the next four drafts. I mean, they may go completely overboard for him. And Douglas is going to have to be willing to, to match it. Maybe not match that offer, but at least he might have, be at, have to pass, uh, part ways with four firsts and a second and maybe Darnold. He's really going to have to match it. So that's number two. And then number three, Watson has a no trade clause. And obviously there's the rumors that he wants to go to New York, but he has to, to be willing to go to a team, especially a team in New York that is not ready to build to win. Now they're going to be trading away a lot of their assets. And in the past has been a poorly managed and known team. However, and this is the last point on Watson before we move on. I have to say, I don't think outside of maybe Miami, I don't think there's a better spot for Deshaun Watson than New York. I mean, if you win in New York, you are an absolute legend. He'll be bigger than Mahomes. He'll be the NFL's biggest uh, player. I mean, if he wins a Super Bowl with the Jets, with a losing franchise in the league's biggest market, he'll be bigger than Mahomes. He'll make $20 million in, in uh, you know, just marketing every single year. I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense for him. I mean, clearly, I mean, he spends a lot of time in the New York area. Um, and I think he likes Salah as the report. So I, 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 I wouldn't really worry about that. The report was that he wouldn't really uh, – he, he would pretty much waive it for most teams because he just desperately wants to get out of Houston. So I don't think that's big of an issue. But there's three parts for this to happen. I'm not really sold on one of them. The second one, how far will Douglas be willing to go? We saw it with his free agency in his, in his first year. He draws a line in the sand and he doesn't pass that. And I do think when there's a guy like Watson on the market, things are going to get absolutely crazy. Teams are going to throw, they're going to way overpay for him um, to try to get him out of Houston. And I just, I don't know if I see Douglas matching. And then number three, we have to make sure that Watson even wants to go to New York. So Michael, your last thoughts on Watson before we move on. I think the Miami factor is a really big part of this because the threat of him, and we'll see who else actually becomes involved if the Dolphins even are. But if the Jets do know the Dolphins are where he's going to end up, if they don't trade for him, it's it's crazy that it has to be at this point that your team building philosophy has to be influenced by something like this, but it really does. The threat of ha- having an elite quarterback enter your division, you already have Josh Allen in your division who looks like an elite quarterback, which is another thing that's insane to say, but it's true. You already have him in your division, and you could be stuck with those two guys as a quarter of your schedule every year for maybe the next right. decade. That's really daunting, and if you have some control over preventing that, even if you have to give up a little bit more than you might like, it definitely, I think, has an effect if um, that it does become known in the league that he could go to Miami instead of the Jets if hey, they don't trade for him. And, and not just Miami. Don't forget about New England. Don't forget I, I, about I, New England. They're a definitely long not. shot, but there's a lot of connections with Casario and Easter right. Houston and New England. And that thought makes me shudder. But Hell, maybe Bill would throw the next four Patriots first round draft. I mean, they obviously have less to offer than the Jets or Dolphins because the the um, the Texans wouldn't be getting a top three pick in the draft. But don't forget about New England and that as well. I do think that he's out of all the divisions he's going to be traded to. I think the AFC East is far and away the most likely place that he ends up. I do think if he gets traded, it's probably to the AFC East. And I, that's a really good point you just made. I, you kind of do have to. To, to factor that it's not just adding Deshaun Watson to your team, but it's making sure he doesn't end up in Miami or maybe even new England. It's certainly a move that would rejuvenate the fan base. sell a lot of tickets, a lot of jerseys. We'll see though. We'll see Joe Douglas is a right. prudent guy. And, and, we'll and, and Joe Douglas is the biggest X factor here because 
I feel like we have this idea of who we think Joe Douglas is based on last offseason. More conservative. Really he draws a line in the sand. He likes trading down. We don't really know. It's only been one offseason. That's how he wanted to set the team up last year, but things are different now. He could continue right. to be that way. He could be more aggressive to you know get the ingredients that his new chefs need in LaFleur and Sala. And in the Watson sweepstakes, maybe he does look at it and say, you know what, we built up these assets. This is an extreme, a once a literal once in a lifetime opportunity. Nothing like this has happened before. We could lose him to a division rival. We have to be aggressive and do this. So well, I, I feel like we don't really know who Douglas yeah. is yet. I think that's a good idea of who he's going to be. I think he's definitely going to be prud- uh, frugal and very smart and free agency, not a huge spender like McCagnan. I think he's going to be more of a trade down than a trade up guy. But it doesn't necessarily mean he's only going to trade down. He's only going to be making lower cost right. signings. There, if you are a good GM, you have to be able to balance it. Sometimes it makes sense to trade up. Sometimes it makes sense to do a splashy trade or signing. I think he's going to lean towards that more conservative long-term side. But we've only seen one offseason, so we have a lot more to learn about him. I, we're definitely going to learn a lot about him this offseason. This is going to be the offseason where we're really going to learn who Joe Douglas is. Um, and yeah, I would hope that he's not, I would hope he's way more aggressive in general. I think part of the reason we're still so high on Douglas is we look at last year's off season and say, well, look, he's setting the team up for future success. He's turning this slowly around, but if Douglas truly believed that Pierre Desir and Brashad Perriman were going to be difference makers for this team, and that was going to be what this team needed to get to the playoffs. I mean, he, he would be a terrible GM. So we, you're right. We, we have no idea who Douglas is. I think we all acknowledge that the moves he made last off season, specifically in free agency were long-term moves where he maybe knew he had a coach that wasn't going to be here much longer. And he knew this team was a while away. So don't sink assets into anything. Try to just keep building them and turn this thing around the right way. And don't just put on a bunch of band-aids. Um, but yeah, this is the offseason. We'll, we'll learn a lot about him. Um, and I hope he's a lot more aggressive. And he has to be, especially if he sticks with with Darnold or he trades for Watson. And probably with the with the quarterback as well. I think the one thing that that Douglas, if he's learned anything from last year, is he has to be aggressive to surround that quarterback with with weapons and a line. And speaking of, of young quarterbacks, there's three of them in this draft class. Most people only talk about two of them, Zach Wilson and Justin Fields as options for the Jets at two. But don't forget about Trey Lance. He's a guy who going into the year was arguably QB two. And then he didn't, he only played one game, played all right. Um, obviously Zach Wilson had a meteoric rise and Fields went all the way to the national championship game. And people have kind of forgot about Lance, but I think because of the, the physical tools he brings, you'll see him creep back into the top five for a lot of teams, especially with as many teams that, that need quarterbacks in the jets. As we mentioned earlier, they could trade down to four and instead of taking Sewell, maybe they take Trey Lance, maybe they trade down and take a quarterback. You don't even know. It would be kind of the reverse of 2018 where the jets traded up just to get one of the top three quarterbacks. They could trade down just to get one of the top four quarterbacks. We don't know, but let's break down these rookies. Let's start with Zach Wilson. Because he's the guy that I think I see mocked the Jets the most. He's the guy that once they missed out on the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes, and we're going to talk about Justin Fields because everybody knows I'm, I'm very high on, on Fields, but Wilson is kind of slid in as the, okay, well, he's the guy we're going to draft. Michael, you seem very high on Wilson. I'm, I like him, but I don't think I'm as high as, as you and other people are. I guess talk about Wilson's strengths and what makes him a, a, such an attractive prospect to be the Jets quarterback in 2021. Right. For, for me, I think I'm, I'm okay with either. I do like both guys, but I'm leaning towards 
Wilson, I think. Um, and, and there's a lot to like about him. And and look, let's be honest, he definitely sort of just, for most Jets fans, popped up on the radar after the Jets beat the Rams. He went out in the bowl game, played really well. And that's really the extent of what most fans have watched, in addition to any YouTube highlights or games they've watched since then. But even though Justin Fields has been on the radar longer, he's been pegged as the second quarterback in this class for years now, even going back to high school, I think people would be looking at him as a potential number two pick or in conversation for number one with Lawrence all the way down here in 2021. So even though Fields has the more longevity, Wilson does deserve to be in this conversation, I think. And I do think it's a lot more than just gaudy numbers and, uh, you know, against not the best competition. I do think it's a lot more than that. When, when you look at his tape, I just think there is, a lot to like his ability to change arm angles and you see it on everything, whether it's just a quick pass on an RPO, a quick slant, or whether he's outside the pocket, he really does have that ability to sort of change his arm angles. I know a lot of people compare him to Darnold and they do have a lot of similarities, but I think the arm angles thing isn't really something Darnold had. Darnold definitely had the ability to escape the pocket and make throws on the run and throw with touch. I think Darnold has more touch or had more touch to his game than Wilson has right now coming out. But the arm angles thing, I think, is a difference uh, that Darnold didn't really have the ability to just drop I your elbow that. to sort of sidearm throws. I, I don't think Darnold I disagree really had with that. that. Okay, okay. What about, I mean, like, first play that comes to mind, Jets-Giants last year when he when he is getting brought down by multiple guys and he just slings it to Robbie Anderson. There's plays against the raid. I, I get what you're saying, but I think – but I just think it's a different type of skill. I, I think those are just more the ability to. You're talking like Mahomes home sidearm. Yeah, I'm talking. I'm talking more like that, like the ability to just adjust, like drop his elbow, throw a sidearm to just flick a ball, toss it, things like that. Not necessarily that it even makes him better. Look, Darnold was a great prospect. Um, I'm not even going to compare him that way. I'm just saying the differences between what makes them sort of what makes them great prospects. So I think that's a big one. His arm strength is really good. You don't look at his body type and think he's a strong arm guy, but there are throws. He's made 60-plus yards down the field right in the bucket. Um, his ball placement is really good, back shoulder throws. Um, he has a lot of really good back shoulder throws on tape. He knows where to put the ball to give guys a chance. I think there are good anticipation throws on tape. So I think there's a lot of legitimate stuff to him that's more than just the right. swagger and the production in a small conference. Yeah, I'm not as high on Wilson as you are. I, look, I still think he's going to be a good quarterback. I just, to me, not necessarily player type, but to me, he's just that Baker Mayfield level of player. I just, I don't feel like Zach Wilson's ever going to be a top three quarterback in this league or a top five quarterback. I mean, you take a guy at number two, especially in the, the, the situation the Jets are in. I think Joe Douglas and Salah have to be completely sold that this guy is going to be their guy. And I think... Look, I mean, you, you talked about a lot of Wilson's strengths. And yeah, it does remind everybody of a lot of Darnold's strengths. And I do kind of disagree with the, the off-platform throws and stuff. I get the arm angles thing, but a lot well, of his well, no, strengths... The only, the only thing I'm saying is that just the, the actual arm part of it, like Darnold is really, or you know, at his best in the NFL too, is great at making plays off script and moving outside the pocket and all that. Yeah, but when he but, threw it to Robbie Anderson and floated it when he could have just ran on third and one, I mean, his arm is at a, an awkward angle and he just kind of floats, flicks it in there. I get what you're saying. They're obviously different players, but when I'm you look at it stylistically, same same strengths, just different ways of going about it is really all I'm okay. saying. Okay, I, I just feel like Wilson, for me, 
I don't see him being, yeah, top five quarterback. I just feel, and maybe it's just because he looks like an elf. But I think, <laughs> I think to me, it's like people like to to shrug off the, oh, well, he played at BYU and he's playing a bunch of plumbers, and it's like I do think you have to examine that because people like to crap on Justin Fields because he had like an amazing team around him, but the level of competition Justin Fields was playing compared to the level of competition that that Zach Wilson was playing, I think offsets that when you're Justin Fields and you're on a stacked Ohio state team, but you're playing a, a relatively good Michigan state team. Let's just say, I think that's comparable to Zach Wilson being on a BYU team and playing coastal Carolina or so, you know, it's just like coastal I, Carolina is really good this season though. Okay. That was the first North Alabama. Sorry. I'm looking at your <laughs> schedule. Yeah. Who they won't beat 66 to 14. I mean, I just feel like a lot of that natural, it was always the stuff they said about Darnold, the innate feel he can throw off any platform, right? All that type of stuff that goes away. That how is that going to be when you're look, it's one thing to have it when you're at BYU and you're playing Northern Alabama, whoever I just coastal Carolina, whatever Troy, it's another thing, Troy. It's another thing when you're in the NFL playing against 300 pound pro bowl defensive linemen, that innate feel and that, that, touch on the ball and your that stuff goes away and then it comes down to your intangibles and for me wilson is a guy and, and you didn't even, we didn't even talk about the injury history i'm you know right. look yeah he's obviously he's listed at six three he is not six three let's just get that out of the way he's probably six one um and i'm curious to see what he measures at, at the pro day at his pro day um but the injury history is very concerning i mean this is a guy who's already had two shoulder surgeries and he's how old is he 23 so uh, yeah, there's a lot of red flags for me with Wilson. I think that he was a guy who's had a meteoric rise this year, but his previous two seasons, it wasn't like he was anything special. I mean, he was good, but he had issues. So to me, Wilson is a guy who I think is a good prospect. He will probably be a good quarterback in this league. Do I think he's the number two pick in the draft? No, I don't think he's worth the number two pick in the draft. But, you know, it's January. There's still plenty of football to watch. Obviously, there's people who watched much more. BYU than I have, and they're very high on him. But I just, to me, Justin Fields is my quarterback too. And and let's talk about him because unless you want to, before we get to him, I just want to acknowledge the the weakness. I felt that it. I, I felt out. that you wanted to say something about Wilson, so I yeah. just backpedaled real. No, quick. you're you're definitely right. The the injuries are a concern, and he's only 21. He's going to be 21, 22 in, 21. in August. He'll be 22, so that's definitely a concern to already have a pretty serious injuries uh, history by this point. Is um, you know, not great. Obviously, he hasn't missed a ton of games, but still, the the problems have been there, and that can linger in the future. Um, I think the size is sort of an issue for me. I know he's listed at six three. He he doesn't look like he's six three. It'll be interesting to see what he checks out at once he does get measured. Um, the one year wonder thing is a big one because, like you said, first two years he wasn't really in this conversation at all. There wasn't much to write home about. It was this one season that put him up there. The competition is a big one. And I do think it's also worth mentioning. He doesn't, I mean, he doesn't have the greatest talent around him either. And, and look, well, compared B- to B- coastal Carolina, yeah, I mean, I mean you're right. Alabama around him. Like, right. I mean, like you're right. B- BYU is definitely above the rest of the teams he's playing. Um, so that's definitely fair, but the one year wonder thing, the injuries, I think the size, and- uh, there are also some other things like he'll throw, he'll there. I think one recurring thing I've seen, at least from some of the scouting videos I've watched, um, more thorough breakdowns on him is that he'll lead guys into traffic on slants, uh, some some field uh, vision reading, things like that. And even though he only threw three picks, it, uh, he did have some issues that could lead to him 
throwing more than that going forward. So I definitely hear you on the concerns. Yeah, let me let me get this straight. I, I don't think he's going to be a bust. I just don't feel like he. I I feel like Justin Fields is, is a better prospect than him. And and just the last thing on Wilson, it's just yeah. You talk about the level of competition. A lot of he has a lot of flashy plays where he's rolling out and juking out three defenders. Then he's throwing off his back foot and threading the needle. And it's like then you go back and look at it. It's like okay, if that's Miles Garrett, he's getting sacked at least three times on that play. And then he throws it right over the cornerback Ted, who just zero awareness. He's a lot of flashy plays like that. And it's just like that stuff doesn't necessarily translate to the NFL. Look at a guy like Darnold, who had a lot of crazy, flashy, sloppy play. Dan Orlovsky was calling it magical sloppiness. It's like when he, when he gets to the NFL, that magical part just goes away. Then it's just sloppiness. And then it comes down to the fundamentals and your intangibles. And it's like with right. Wilson, I think he has a lot of positives, but I just think people are way too quick to ignore the negatives. And then when you look at Justin Fields, this mm. is a guy who, to me, is light years better as a prospect. How many guys have come into the NFL with that type of arm, an absolute cannon for an arm, but at the same time are insanely accurate and, to top it all off, are a dynamic player, especially with his legs? I mean, he comes he comes into the NFL. He's already a top five best deep thrower in, in the league. He's accurate. And he can run. He's explosive. He's dynamic. He makes plays on his own. Obviously, there's some there's some question marks. Look, he's playing with NFL talent. He's also going up against NFL talent. He's played on the biggest stages. He's shown that it factor in that game against Clemson, getting hurt and coming back and, and winning that game. Ice water in his veins. I, we haven't seen Wilson on a big stage like that. I don't think the potato bowl or whatever he's playing in against UCF counts. Um, to me, Fields is a guy that I just feel – I was going to say feel – fields fields the guy that i just feel is the number two quarterback in this class and i think he's one of those guys that people are going to fall in love with zach wilson but when it comes around justin fields is going to be the second quarterback taken off the board i guess michael before we hop into more fields what are your favorite parts of justin fields's game and then we'll talk about the negatives yeah i mean i i think you're kind of getting me back on the justin fields train i, I really do i like like we already said at the beginning you're definitely going to convince me at some point but i, I mean there is a lot to like about Justin Fields there. I mean, before he had that stretch of, I think three games where he threw five interceptions and only six touchdowns before he had that tough three game stretch, it was a no brainer. He was the number two pick. It wasn't even a debate that was coming into, that was the case coming into this year. And it didn't change after he had uh, a first, uh, the first few games of the season, he was absurdly good, even better than he tended to be uh, last season. So it wasn't really not even a conversation until he had a couple of bad games. And look, it was, even though it was a short stretch, he did, you know, have some struggles over that three game stretch or um, against Indiana, Michigan state, Northwestern, four touchdowns, five picks. Um, he was under 200 yards in the latter two of those games. So he had some legitimate problems. The interceptions he threw were not good. A couple of them were outside of the pocket, very Sam Darnold esque throwing to traffic when he shouldn't be. Um, so there were legitimate questions, but that was so that's such a small sample in an Ohio State career over the past two years in which he was largely extremely, extremely productive and just backed it up with, you know, what you see on tape. It's not he has great talent around him. And it's I think it's a concern how clean his pockets tended to be there. Um, but it, he definitely his accuracy is great. Um, there's one stat out there in terms of his completion percentage versus expectation, which accounts for how difficult his throws are, that he's about 10% above 
what his completion percentage should be based on the difficulty of his throws. And that is, uh, I think, one of the best, or if not the best mark uh, of the past few years of any college quarterback. So that's his accuracy is great at, at all levels, I think, especially deep, though. He has a ton of arm strength and great touch to go with it. Um, the athleticism speaks for itself. Um, in his career, he had 19 rushing touchdowns. Um, yeah. <laughs> so he has a lot to bring to the table because I, there are a lot of quarterbacks who you look at, like Trey Lance, for example, great athlete. He's got upside as a passer, but he doesn't have the complete passing package that Justin Fields has. And then you'll see guys who are, you know, have a, bring a lot to the table from an arm perspective with a little bit of athleticism, like a Zach Wilson, who does have some mobility, but he's not the dynamic rusher that Justin Fields is. So like you said, there's, there's a lot here. He was the obvious number two for a while. And it's sort of just, uh, there were a couple of bad games that took him off there. Um, there's a lot to like. I do have some concerns, which which we'll get to. But and bad games against Alabama, right? And Northwestern, who obviously under Pat Fitzgerald has turned into to a great uh, program. You look at Zach Wilson's bad games. I mean, who's he playing? Western exactly. Kentucky. Like, it, right. I, I'm just now. Now I'm trying to flame all these random these random colleges, but it's just like, <laughs> who is coming to the league? Sorry to all of our Western Kentucky. Yes. <laughs> I know we have a lot of listeners there in Troy and North Alabama. Yes, exactly. Who, Michael, tell me anybody else who's come to this league who has had an absolute cannon for an arm is as accurate as Justin Fields. Justin Fields is one of the most, if not the most accurate quarterback in college football and is that dynamic as a runner. Name me one. It's tough. I, I was trying to think about it before we were talking about this. There's just not Mahomes? a lot of guys who have that plan. <laughs> there, there really isn't. Mahomes? Even Mahomes, I don't think, is the rusher that fields is because okay the thing with people call zach wilson more mahomes which is funny because mahomes obviously has a lot of those crazy throws um with the arm angles and i think that's where it comes from but you look at mahomes it was the arm strength and the accuracy is what makes him so dynamic obviously the off-platform throws that's amazing and and fun to watch but it's the fact that he can hit tyree kill 65 yards down the field in stride and you're getting that in in uh justin field and the other thing is so when you think about this Kyle Shanahan offense, the, the argument is that it makes mediocre quarterbacks good and good quarterbacks great and great quarterbacks like Rodgers, amazing, right? You take a guy like Fields, first of all, a young guy like him, and I'm kind of circling around all over the place. Let me just say this. Douglas has shown a propensity for taking the guy outside of like Michael P. Ryan, the guy with the higher ceiling. He took a guy in Beckton and a guy in Mims who maybe had lower floors, but he recognizes that, look, the draft is a crapshoot. There are no safe picks. Take the guy with a lot of, you know, obviously you don't want to take a complete rando boomer bus player, but you want to take a guy who obviously has some production, but you base it on how is he going to be in the NFL? Can, can our coaching staff develop him into a top talent? What does he have that you can't teach? Obviously size with Makai Becton. That's what makes me feel like I think he would lean towards Justin Fields over a guy like Zach Wilson, because Fields just has so much that you can't teach and his weaknesses are things, yeah, like, I mean, sometimes he's staring down his receivers. And look, Ohio State runs a different offense. This is kind of a similar thing that Justin Herbert faced in Oregon, where it's like they're going to score a lot of points, but their offense is different than the NFL. And Fields is waiting for routes 15, 20 yards down the field to develop, and that kind of right. may have caused some mm -hmm. of that. But you put him in this Shanahan system, and as we just talked about, makes good quarterbacks great. As a rookie, I think a lot of his biggest weaknesses are going away. You're telling me Justin Fields – can obviously hand off the ball, play action, roll out, give him easy reads, and then you capitalize on his physical gifts. 
I mean, then he's going to be able to take draws in the defense with play action. Then he takes his deep shots. I think people have this, I think, illusion in some ways that Zach Wilson is a much better fit for this offense than Justin Fields. Obviously, prototypically, that would be the case. But Justin Fields, I think you maybe make a few alterations to the offense, maybe add in some RPOs and whatnot, some spread concepts. But the basis of the Shannon offense is that it's going to hide a lot of your flaws. And I think a lot of the flaws that it's going to hide when it comes to reading a defense and staring the defenses down, I think that's going to be the case for Justin Fields. It's going to simplify reads and let his physical talent shine. And there's arguably no quarterback in this class that has more physical talent than Justin Fields. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's a good point too, because um, I, I mean, would Zach Wilson probably be a better fit than like, is there maybe a, can an RPO based system maybe be the absolute best case fit for Justin Fields? Probably. And that's not what the jets seem like they will be running with Michael Four, but I don't even know the, about that. I, I just kind of feel like this offense is, as long as you can throw on the run, it's arguably the best offense in all the, the entire NFL. We don't know how LaFleur is going to run it. He's the passing game coordinator. Maybe there'll be some differences. But Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, what they run, you can pretty much plug any quarterback, i.e. Right. Ryan Tannehill, in, and they're going to get, they're going to wipe a lot of the mistakes away from their game. And I think Fields is a perfect fit for this offense when it comes to that. Yes, there's some differences in RPO concepts, like you just mentioned, that they should mix in and read options and stuff, but Fields can throw accurately on the run, and you can capitalize on his physical gifts um, with this offense. Yeah, and and to talk about some of the concerns with Fields, I think um, there, there was one really, one stat that jumped out a lot to me, is that he, uh, at Ohio State, took an a-, a longer average time to release the ball against the blitz than when he was not blitzed. And that time uh, that he took to throw the ball against the blitz was longer than any qualified NFL quarterback this season. So that's a concern. That's definitely something that you'd like to see fixed, getting the ball out quicker against the blitz. You can already, you already know Bill Belichick is going to be dialing up that cover zero to take advantage of that. So that's something he's going to have to get better with. And also the holding onto the ball and field reading thing, like you mentioned, a great point. Ohio State runs a lot of those longer developing concepts down the field. That's how his deep game gets to shine, that they run those types of plays. Um, so that is a part of it. But I definitely think there are examples of him holding onto the ball too long, focusing particularly, uh, particularly focusing deep down the field and missing some short checkdowns. I think there were some examples of that in his last couple of games. Um, but But still, I think, to look back at that game against Clemson um, that really should have erased all the doubt that we had over his past few games uh, and put him back into that number two spot. That was an incredible performance. That was as impressive. Legendary. Legendary. It really was in terms of projecting to the NFL, probably the best performance, not just by a quarterback, maybe a player at any position this season, the, um, the throwing, the, the deep balls were amazing, but to do everything he did through, taking an injury in the first half that seemed like it would it seemed like he was clearly going to come out of the game he couldn't barely even walk then to come out and dominate a team an amazing Clemson team as much as he did with ridiculous tight window deep balls he was even still making some plays on the move that was an amazing performance well people like to, to give him crap because he has a bunch of NFL players around him but it's like Clemson has more NFL players. I mean, the talent difference in that game was relatively even and Justin Fields shine. And the other thing we didn't even talk about his mechanics. This is a guy who can come into the NFL right away. And his mechanics don't need to be fixed, which right. if, so if you want to add that to the caveat, a guy with that arm, that accurate, that dynamic and pretty much zero mechanical flaws. 
I just think what it comes down to with him, his weaknesses can be coached. And in the NFL and what we've seen with Joe Douglas is he likes to take at least in one draft. We don't know too much else outside of that one draft, but he took the higher ceiling guy and you take a guy like fields, you put him in with this coaching staff, which I think is the jets best coaching staff in the last 20 years, at least since Parcells and Belichick were on the same staff. And I think you can, iron out a lot of those weaknesses that he has in reading the, the defense and adjusting to the blitz and you let his physical talent shine. I think Justin Fields is, is capable of being a top five quarterback in this league. I think he's going to have an amazing rookie season. If, I, if it's in Atlanta or Carolina and Joe, with Joe Brady, or as I just said, Atlanta with Arthur Smith, wherever he goes, there's a lot of good situations for him. And I just feel like he's going to absolutely shine. I think he is a superstar in the making. I think if it, as long as he goes to the right place, Zach Wilson, I, I'm not as sold at, that he's going to be a superstar. The other thing with fields. And I know we kind of mentioned it because he's been in the biggest stage. He's been on national championship games. And also he didn't, it wasn't like he crapped the bed against Alabama. He had some good plays in that game. The other thing he has been in the spotlight since he was in high school. I mean, it was him and Trevor Lawrence for the last five, six, seven years going back and forth as number one and number two in this class. He's been in the spotlight. He can handle New York. There's no questions about him as a leader. I just think Justin Fields would be a home run pick for the Jets at number two. Michael, lastly, Trey Lance. This is the wild card. This is, I think, more likely in the scenario where the Jets swap picks with Atlanta. I think, let's say Atlanta moves up to number two, takes Fields. The Dolphins either take Sewell or maybe they trade it out and somebody takes Wilson. And then the Jets are sitting there at four and say, look, we like Trey Lance. Very similar to the argument we just made with Fields because uh, I think Fields is a little lot cleaner of a prospect and I'm very confident in him being good. Um, I, I feel like Lance has a lot of physical gifts to, to offer NFL teams. Michael, what are your thoughts on Trey Lance? Because he's kind of been swept under the rug. Nobody's been talking about him. But, I mean, when you talk, want to talk about Minnie Mahomes, this guy is an absolute cannon. He's dynamic with the football in his hands. There's some questions about the, the level of competition he's playing in. The one game he played in this year, he wasn't amazing. But he's certainly an exciting prospect and a guy that maybe should sit year one. But do you think there's any credence that maybe the Jets could trade down or straight up just take Trey Lance at two? Well, I think that's a really interesting scenario you brought up, the idea of trading down to that fourth spot. Um, because because similar, it, it's kind of like the opposite of what the Jets did in 2018. Instead of trading up to the third spot, because you feel good about three quarterbacks. So moving up to where there are three quarterbacks you feel good about, which was probably, you know, Mayfield, Rose, and Darnold. You can get one of those three guys, the third pick, no matter what. Instead of that, you move down and be like, okay, there are three quarterbacks. Lawrence going number one, but then there are three more quarterbacks we like. Let's go to four. Let's get some more assets and take whoever's left. So that is an interesting idea. If the Jets do truly feel that way, I could definitely see them doing that. It, it would really be if, if they do feel that way. And if it does pan out, it's a best of both worlds sort of idea where you can trade down and still get that quarterback. Um, I think just for me, and I think for most fans and draft observers out there is just that it, it seems like that Wilson uh, and field sort of form that second tier and then Lance has fallen below them. But like you said, before this season, Trey Lance was right up there as in the argument for that third quarterback. While again, Zach Wilson wasn't there at all and he sort of made that leap this season and like I said fourth Wilson I think it's legitimate I think he showed plenty of you know very real promise not just the numbers but actually making plays that project to the NFL so I think he deserves it but still it's worth knowing noting where uh, Justin Fields was before he had a very short stretch of struggles and then bounce back after that and then where Trey Lance was before his entire season I was pretty much canceled besides one game so 
but Trey Lance definitely has, I, I think the raw athleticism and movement ability is probably the best of these elite prospects better than fields. Um, but he, he just has speed and quickness and change of direction that I don't think fields quite has. So he definitely has the most in terms of mobility, I think, but right. obviously in terms of the all around game, the competition, the reading NFL defenses, things like that it is what the biggest question is going to be. But um, for me, I think the drop off is too big, especially with only one game uh, of tape this season, especially not just with the one game of tape, but also coming from North Dakota state where it's already hard enough to evaluate uh, because of the competition difference. So those things make it really hard for me to want to make that trade down and take him instead of Wilson or fields. But it's, if the jets like him enough, maybe, maybe it's an interesting idea. Yeah. I think Lance is a guy who they should follow the Mahomes um, development plan and it's sit him for a year. I mean, maybe he plays the second half of the season, but if he goes to Atlanta, I think you let Ryan start that year and you just let Lance learn behind him. If he goes to Carolina, you let Teddy Bridgewater start the majority of the year. Um, I just think he needs to sit. I think he's intriguing. The ceiling is certainly intriguing. The floor is scary, especially for a top five pick. I think Lance is probably more of an option if they trade down to number four. I still think, I don't think there's anything Lance outside of um, his uh, ability as a runner. I guess he has over fields, but fields is still an amazing runner in his own right. I just don't feel like there's much that Lance does better than Wilson or fields. So I think he is that, that tier three, it's tier one, Lawrence tier two, Wilson feels like you said, and then tier three Lance, but I think he's still an intriguing prospect. And I think if they do trade down, he should certainly be considered. Um, Michael, the last option, and I think, look, I think there's pretty much everybody we've covered. I think one of the guys we've covered will be the quarterback for the Jets next season. I think there's five guys right here between Deshaun Watson, Sam Darnold, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, and and, uh, Trey Lance. One of those guys is going to be the Jets quarterback. Maybe Trevor Lawrence falls. Maybe something crazy happens. But those five are going to be most likely one of the Jets quarterbacks. Michael, I guess it comes boils down to this. Who do you want to be the Jets quarterback in 2021 out of all the guys we just talked about? And who do you think will be the Jets quarterback in 2021? Well, who do I want to be? I think coming into this, I would have said Wilson, but you, you, you just convinced me. You convinced me. I, I think I'm, I'm going to say, I'm going to say Justin Fields. I think that's who I want right now. There we go. There we go. But <laughs> honestly, I don't know if I'm allowed to pick two guys, but Wilson or Fields at two, I, either one I'd be happy right. with, but I'm sort of, tilting back to the field side but i have plenty of time to switch 20 yes. more times Plen- yeah, exactly. over the next uh three plus months so i'll go with fields there in terms of who will be uh, I, I think there are so many good reasons to think it won't be darnold but it just feels like just because he's the incumbent guy and every other pick is you know part of the field there are a lot of other different options darnold is that one in terms of as an individual darnold is the most likely just because he was here last year but in terms of Darnold or the field, I think I'd go with the field. You know, I think it won't right. be Darnold. But if I had to pick one guy in terms of who's the most likely individually, probably would say Darnold. But I don't think it will be him. Yeah, I'd say there's probably like a 40% chance in my mind that Darnold is the quarterback and then maybe 10% Watson and then 20% each for Wilson and Fields. Five percent Lance and five percent others, what I would say. I, I would probably I'd probably, I'd probably go. I'd, I'd say I'd say 70% draft quarterback, 20% Darnold, okay. 10% Watson. I would say who I want, it's tough because I want to say Watson. 
probably Watson for who I would want, but I am very confident in Justin Fields and Fields probably makes more sense for this team because you're not going to have to, you know, give a ton of capital away for him. And you can really build around this young guy, have a rookie contract. I, I kind of feel like it's going to be fields. Uh, I just, I'm stuck between, I, there's this nagging feeling I have that Donald is going to return. I'm just trying to fight it. I just, I, I guess I'll say I think and want it to be Justin Fields, but honestly, as long I could probably talk myself to anybody in this list, even if they stick with Darnold, I can probably be like, "Look, this team is going to get a lot better." And you know, we talked ourselves into Adam Gase. We talked so. ourselves to Adam Gase. I could talk <laughs> myself into a Sam Darnold resurgence. Well, Michael, it sounds like me and you are, are we we started the whole King Arthur to NYJ, and then at the eleventh hour we bailed on that for Sala. So. <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't necessarily start the uh, King Justin to NYJ and then bail on that and want Trey Lance or Zach Wilson at the 11th hour. But we should start with who we don't want and then at the last minute change it to who we do. But then would that work? Because then I don't think we're not truly showcasing who we actually want because we're not. I I think that was legitimate what we did with King Arthur. We actually want him and we actually changed. Does it actually work if you're trying to mess with the system? I don't think it does. The, the system i think we should go full steam ahead with justin fields i think we have full to change a lot ahead. of people's mind i think a lot of people are too are, are just putting in wilson in their in their mock drafts and whatnot i think justin fields is, is the, the pick at number two if you're taking a quarterback I he also looks a lot to, better in a jets uniform he does. does he he looks like a superstar baby-faced elf man does not i'm sorry and that's what it comes down to for me um but yeah, I think we do need to start the, the movement of having a lot more um, Justin Fields mocked to the Jets um, uh, in, the, in those mock drafts. But I, I think it comes down to, look, I don't think Joe Douglas is taking a quarterback unless he's absolutely sold on one of these guys. The pre-draft process is going to be very important. The interviews are going to be very important. But I think Fields is the guy. I think I think when it all said and done, I think Fields is the guy. And, and I will be absolutely ecstatic if it's a Justin Fields, Robert Sala marriage going into 2021. Tweet us your thoughts. Who do you think and who do you want the Jets quarterback to be in 2021? Do we convince you of Justin Fields over Zach Wilson? Let us know. Or do you now dig your heels in further into uh, Zach Wilson over Justin Fields? Just tweet us at CYJPod. You can follow myself at Ben W. Blessington, Michael at Michael underscore Nania. You can find this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, Spotify, iTunes. Um, you can also find us at the Jets X Factor YouTube page and JetsXFactor.com, the best place to go for Jets content. Michael, that'll do it for us. Any last words? I'm on the Justin Fields train now. I still like Zach Wilson. Still like Zach Wilson. Either one, I will gladly accept. But I'm sort of like, I don't know, 55-45 Justin Fields now in favor of Wilson. All right. right. I officially officially converted Michael. Let us know if I converted you. Many months to go until the Jets play some football, but these next few are going to be quite important. I think it's arguably the most important offseason. I always say that every offseason. But this one, it really rings true. This is a I think monumental offseason. I'm, I'm pretty sure I did, but this is a monumental offseason for Joe Douglas and crew. Stay up to date with us. Keep listening to us. We will have new podcasts every Monday, maybe some some ones throughout the week. We have more interviews planned. We got a lot of feedback on our John Franklin Myers podcast. Really appreciate that. Um, but we have a lot prepared for 2021. Stick with us. And as always, the don't the down to six seconds. Car going down again. And it's Quinton Williams this time for the Jets. The middle in the air picked off. Brian Poole to the end zone. Touchdown. Hunter to beat. And the punter brings him down. Brayton Mann saved a touchdown most likely. Looks right. Fires a bomb down the right sideline again for Mims. What a catch by Denzel Mims.